Welcome back to the Keen and Lake Podcast, the premier whiskey podcast, now with a mention of whiskey in its title. We are Keen and Lake after dark. Dark, 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 dark. For uh, like a third time in like three weeks, maybe less than that. Uh, Callum O'Donnell, the Scottish premier ambassador of the world, is no longer with us. He is... And he's, he's in his pack player, he's in a, but he's in the, he's in his apartment, sitting by himself, crying a little bit. Wilson Razor Ramon Torres has also abandoned me this evening at the beautiful Fountainhead Roof Deck Guarding for probably our last ever recording here. Hi, this is Jake Hookie, your host. Along with me, but not on a microphone, and will not talk because he's wearing a mask. Is Marty Duffy? So, his lovely niece, much better than him, much smarter than him. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Better reputation than him. <laughs> better whiskey drinker than him. Better Glen Karen representative than him. Jamie Duffy is here to co-host with me. Jamie, welcome Hello. to the podcast. Hi. <laughs> so, yeah, as we were just saying, we are here back at Fountainhead where we've been recording our podcast all summer and fall. Unfortunately, they have closed their doors officially at this point as we are recording on Monday, November 16th. But they are hosting a private event, which is legal, FU City of Chicago, and we are having some whiskey, some private barrel selects from their private selection of whiskeys that they've collected over the last decade plus, and enjoying a nice presentation by Bob Zacharias and Aaron Zacharias, who is the owner and purveyor of the bar, and Bob, who is a beverage director, and also a key in the, key in the uh, lake host, co-host to the stars, if you will. Marty's bothering my co-host right now and taking, writing some notes on the tasting mat that we just had. Now he ruined it. That was a keepsake, but now we'll never have it ever again because you ruined it. I'm sure Marty will probably come back on to talk on the He's microphone. Sharing at some secrets. Point. Okay, I love secrets. But um, there's another podcast. It's a really a rival podcast. podcast. Yeah, well, well, why don't you go hop on that boat? Take a skipper out there <laughs> and enjoy it. Yeah. See ya. Yeah. I like all I like I like all your brown. Best best dresser in Chicago. Oh yeah. Big uh, cargo short and pant man. When I saw him in cargo shorts for the first time this summer, I was like, that can die now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was a it's a pretty cool evening that we're having here um, up on the roof deck. Even though it's kind of cold, I would say it's probably the, one of the coldest nights we've had so far this fall. But we are drinking some pretty unique barrels from all across the world. Some bourbons, some scotches that we w- just had a presentation about them. The Bears are on playing the Vikings. I don't know if it could be a better fitting end to this great great bar. I agree. Well, thanks. <laughs> no, I do. I think it. Sorry, it feels very bittersweet. It is very bittersweet. Um, but it's exciting to sit down and taste all of the things that they're proud of that they've done over the years. Um, we have Ambrosia with us. We do. Ambrosia, who's been on the podcast at least twice, and also in the background talking to Wilson off microphone usually, as Wilson talks to people a lot off the microphone, <laughs> is also here, which I'm sure it's even a more of a bittersweet end for oh. you than it is for us as patrons. No, it's on. Oh, okay. it's on. <laughs> I'm like, is she mute? Hello. <laughs> her mic is on and it's working. I was just waiting to introduce her. Oh, sorry. Because her, her uncle was bothering us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but no, it's uh, it's really cool to have things that have been collected for so many years. As Aaron was just saying, hopefully we can get him on. He, I know he's a little shy around the microphones, but to talk about some of the great experiences they had while picking these barrels. Yeah. Let them have a little more whiskey. I think you can get them on there. Yeah, perfect. 
What were you just talking about before we turned the mics on about some uh, was it the Buffalo Trace picks? I was I was telling a story. Uh, I love stories. I hope uh, neither of the Zacharias brothers will mind me telling this story. Uh, but we went down. Uh, we are drinking the Russell's Reserve second pick, um, and I joined the tasting team. Right before that trip, uh, we tasted Weller, uh, picked out a Weller, uh, a Buffalo Trace, and a Russell's Reserve that trip. And uh, so we drive down to, to Louisville, and we get to our Airbnb, and it's in Germantown, and there it's completely decorated with apples. And so thusly, it became the awful house uh, with our, our horrible German accents, but it, as you both know I'm a big fan of apples uh, so she makes cider ladies and gentlemen she <laughs> makes cider queen of cider queen of Calvados queen <laughs> of all fruit brandies so we had finished all of our tastings and the last night there's a great bar across the street and uh, we had our fill there and and we came back to the awful house and there was a porch swing and I'm pretty sure for the next half an hour we swang on the porch swing, all three of us together, and Stop. sang at the top of our lungs, much to the the horror of the neighbors. Mm. If you want to destroy Bob's sweater in the tune of <laughs> Weezer, the undone song. And it is that said sweater that he is currently Ooh. in. Actually, wow. it isn't that said sweater. Oh, that's sweater. right. He, we left it. He, left it, he, he lost, lost it, it that on that trip. trip. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, we, and, we his, sang. And, and his mommy found another one to replace it. It did, it did. But yeah, wow. if, you, if you want to destroy Bob's sweater, just that's the best story you could tell and today. Over and over and over again, and we just thought it was the funniest thing in the whole entire no world. No one loves a sweater like Bob. It's you know. I'm a close second. <laughs> that damn sweater. Oh, I was gonna, thought you were gonna say a different song by a different band. Um, a few years later, that came with popularity, but maybe all American, all American rejects the swing, swing from a tabletop. Mm, mm. But we, I, li- I like your version better. That was, I mean, you have to understand that that was. I had, I had a lemon drop for the first time on that trip. Ooh. I think Bob has that picture of me discovering a lemon drop as like a favorite photo, so he can find it quickly because I never What'd had a lemon drop. What did you do in your early twenties? Right, I didn't <laughs> drink until I was twenty-one, mm. and okay. then I started drinking spirits and like. Like, you missed all of the bullshit. I really did. But it was, it was a there's, good time of bullshit. so much yeah. I haven't had. But don't knock a lemon drop. No, I ordered no. a second one. Yeah, I know. Right. It was fantastic. If you're looking for a fun shot to have, that's really easy. I and have delightful. a close oh, no, friend it was, it was that a, lives and dies like a by a lemon drop. Oh, I've had a lemon drop. I've only had a lemon drop shot. Oh, no. My friend orders martinis multiples within one hour. It's scary. It's delicious. Mm. I will it never, is kind of delicious. I will never diss. If it's a, done a, correctly. A well-done lemon drop yeah. ever again. Did you select any barrels that day beforehand? Yes. Okay. Uh, we, we did our Weller pick, uh, the, the Buffalo Trace pick, and... Weller? Yes. Okay. So how many days were you there? Three. Okay, so you did a pick a day, basically? Uh, we did two in one day and then one in, in, in one day. Okay. Mm-hmm. Any favorites out of those three? The Weller. Yeah, it's great. Uh, that was, and I'm not, I'm, I mean, I know there's a lot of hype with mm. Weller, but that barrel. Is there? Is there? It's my mom's favorite bourbon in the world. It's your mom's? Yeah. What? Your mom yeah. has great taste. It was the only one that we all looked at each other and were like on the count of three. Bam. Yeah. And we all agreed. 
and that has never happened before and right. has not happened since. I do oh. feel like, though, if there's not a standout winner in something you've tasted, you haven't tasted enough. Does That's that make sense? Theory. Like, from my experience with it, like, if there's three close ones, you didn't find your, your right whiskey. Well, there's, I mean, for us, it's a little complicated in thinking, uh, what would the public like? Right. What would we like? Is it different from what we've done before? Uh, just a, a lot more layers to That's it. That's a good point. That is hard to know, like, what consumers... What do you guys look for? Gravitate. When you guys go there, obviously, all three of your palates are different and vary um, in that sense. But are you thinking of the consumer, or are you thinking, what will we like? What will our best customers like? Both. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard to know what is going to be received well. And, and I would assume, like... One, I'm assuming by saying that I've done this before. You have. One bad pick that I have of someone's makes me alter all of what they do. Exactly. I agree with that. I mean, right? Like, it should be a showcase of what the brand can be. But that's that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. You can't, not everyone's going to like it, right? That's, mm -hmm. it's just like a chef. It's just like whatever you do, cocktails. Not everyone's going to like it, so you have to learn how to appease people, but then also put your own kind of spin on it, which mm -hmm. I think would be really difficult. So yeah. give, give me the, being back to the Weller, what was it, what about it did it make it so great? For me? Yeah. Uh, well, as a glutard, that was the closest I've been to bread <laughs> in a long time. <laughs> it was, it was like I was eating a loaf of bread and it made me so excited. Beautiful. Yeah. Any certain kind of bread? Uh, I've been, I haven't had bread in been 14 so years. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> no, but I, I, I would say like it's a bread and butter kind of taste to it. Mm -hmm. It's thinking off the top of my head. Um, also, during our Keen Lake 100th episode, we did a, uh, a giveaway. And during the recording of the episode, Bob surprised us with a special gift for the package winner to um, to receive, and that that was one of the Weller picks. And uh, that's awesome. Yeah, the, the 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 lady who won it, all about the tumbler, Sheila. Uh, she should have received the package this week finally, because it took Wilson about a month to get a Union Horse T-shirt to to put into the package. So it took quite a while, but hopefully she's received it and opened it. And if you're hearing it for the first time, if I didn't put a, put a note in there, I asked Bob to write a handwritten note, but I don't think he did, and I think I forgot to write one as well. That bottle came from Fountainhead's private selection of their barrel picks, and then he recently sold me one of the bottles for a friend who just had his first kid. So I've had two bottles in my apartment, um, but not for myself. Oh, I you can I have a bottle. <laughs> I'm not asking for one. I've I've tasted it enough times to know uh, it is something special, but it's really cool to. I, it's the things I miss about Fountainhead the most is how generous you are to your customers because. I will just say that Bob did not price gouge me at all. And it wasn't because I'm a loyal customer and I sell here and I record a podcast here. It's just because it's fair. Um, he'll obviously want to sell, you want to sell your, your great bottles, your great selections, the things we have in front of us tonight um, to the people that are really going to care about it. Not the guys that are just kind of collect it and put it on Instagram and put it next to their Ferrari. They run it for a day and take a picture of it. You want to get it to the right people, but at the same time, He's gonna be fair with you in the price that he's getting it for, and that's that's that's, that's a picturesque example for the entire bar. It's um, you can come here and drink your your barrel picks for ten dollars and have whiskeys that were award-winning whiskeys um, 
like your McHenry's, uh, that's still a $10 pour after yep. it won World Whiskey in 2018, I think it was. Best in show at San Francisco Wine and Spirits competition. I was at the bar once. Uh, Were you? Once. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but these guys had walked in. They're like, we're literally just here for that. Like, we had heard whatever. And then they ended up staying a long time. I gave them some of my whiskey. Uh, Ari from Maplewood was oh. here. So we, like, shared some fat pug whiskey. Um but it's a great example of, like, when people start getting into the whiskey world, was Fountainhead the first on the Google search? I don't think so. Were they in the top five, top ten? Yeah. But it's such a different experience than some of the other whiskey bars you go to. Like, yeah. It was really interesting because Callum and I um, obviously spent a lot of time here. <laughs> and so does Wilson. And it's for work, for pleasure, for the podcast, a little bit of everything. And... Brittany, my wife, the other night asked, what about Fountainhead is different from every other bar in Chicago? Because we talk about how, I said, you know, I see coming to like a Ben Riek tasting, for example, as an opportunity to go try great whiskey, hang out with great people, obviously, but it's also going to be an experience where I can meet buyers, influencers, and people who just really care about whiskey, where I can bring, I'm not going to, you know, pass out Star Wars cars or anything like that, but I'm going to have a conversation, and I see it as a business opportunity as much as I see it as a way to drink whiskey, and you can't find the other bars, and you can't have it where, like, the beverage director is going to invite you as an ambassador for another distillery to come hang out with another whiskey that's being presented with people, and that's what makes it so special, because it, it, it um, envelops everybody yeah. once, once you come here one time, and... Honestly, like once you come here like one time, you're almost like a family. It's like member. family, yeah. yeah. yeah like it's, it's a cozy environment. I was about seven years ago, like my first time coming here, and I credit it always from the first Key in the Lake podcast that I did. Mm. I credited episode Aaron thirteen and Fountainhead for like being the first place I fell in love with what I wanted to do. Oh. Um, and always, like I think that a lot of times our industry can be very clicky. Oh yeah. And I never, I never fit in because I was like the 22 year old. I came from like Miss College girl to I really want to do this. You came from being a woo girl and a lemon drop drinker. Yes. Mm. To really wanting to do this. And I do feel like Susan and Ambrosia top two are like the most influential women in my career, hands down. Like you two have always been polite to me, always showed me the ropes. I mean, Susan... When I got my job at Palm Bay, I had uh, 46 SKUs, and I was obsessed with being a specialist in all of it. She said, come here, and we'll mock play. And I showed her every spirit, and she asked me every question she would want to ask someone that she didn't like. Like, she grilled me. That's amazing. And I wrote it down. And she just did this on, like, a freaking Tuesday. I texted her. She's like, yeah, come on through. But that's always been Fountainhead to me. It was, like, kind of the safe zone where I could go. I could be myself. I used it a lot for when I had really bad days, and I wanted somewhere <laughs> where, like, I could drink and be drunk. Like, yeah. and, we'll <laughs> and not worry yeah. about the industry, like judging me like it's always been family for me i agree and wilson said the same thing how whenever he's inviting a guest to come do a tasting about union horse or showing an influence to the brand he always brings them here because he knows it's going to be an a-plus experience for that person obviously you're going to have his whiskey here or he wouldn't bring him here but they're going to bob and the staff you guys 
are going to help you sell the brand too because you care about the individuals that come in here on a day-to-day basis or just, you know, even on whenever they come in here, but they sell their brands and it's something very special and the city is at a loss for it. I think uh, honestly the whole whiskey world is at a loss for it. Yeah. I mean, this feels like this we like the, the news of that is like what, what made COVID hit for me as weird as that is. Right. It's like, wow, like we're losing a really influential place and even spaces you thought that were untouchable. Right. They are. It, it proves that it's not, but as Bob has said to us and Aaron as well, it's not the end of Fountainhead. It is not. It's, uh, it's a see ya, not a goodbye. And a new chapter. Yeah, I yeah. think what we should do this evening is celebrate the glasses we have in front of us and the barrel picks, where they came from, and talk about that, starting with, um, we could go with the Russells, I guess. I mean, that's, as a, as a bourbon, as we were kind of talking about bourbon a little bit, it's one of my personal favorites. Uh, I've exhausted this this podcast about how I got to meet uh, Eddie Russell last year during your master class as a barrel pick just miraculously came in the same time as he was talking about the barrel itself. And we got to try the, the very first bottle from that pick that was opened up ever with Eddie Russell. And Wilson, Bob, and I sat and chewed his ear off about 35 minutes. And it was like one of the most amazing experiences of my entire life in this industry. Um, so it's something that means a lot to me. And this version of it is so delightful and tasting that any bourbon drinker would be proud to have this bottle on their shelf and be lucky enough to drink it too. He's a, he's a sweet, sweet human. Yes. He's a very kind uh, person. And and uh, when, so when we went down to do this pick, it was actually my second time being at Wild Turkey um, and my second time hanging out with him. And uh, so he, he pulled out all the stops. He pulled out some weird rye stuff that he knew we weren't going to pick, but he wanted us to taste it because... I prefer rye to bourbon any day of the week. Is that what Bob was alluding to about how you're trying things that you would never be allowed to buy? But yeah, Yeah. and we just had a we had such a great time drinking some of the best stuff down in Kentucky, I think, and uh, really sharing the same kind of love that that we as an organization put into our bars and restaurants. It's a similar way that the Russells do it as well it's it's about welcoming and and engaging and uh sharing what we love to share so Truly. it was it was a big old love fest <laughs> do you remember how you came about this barrel um we actually went back to it um it was i think we did seven that day <laughs> and there were we were going back and forth between a couple of them um and it took a lot of uh, running back around and, and rethinking and um, re- maybe even overthinking or maybe just wanting to thief more whiskey out right. of the barrels. Like it's such a big experience. <laughs> You're just trying to understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once we, we landed on it, we were all like, yeah, that's, that's the one. And what year was that? Uh... I, what year is it now? Um, <laughs> the year we don't want to be in anymore. 2018. I think it was 2018, wasn't it? I think it was 20. Yes, it was 2018 because when we did the 2019 pick, I was sick. Uh, and 
I had to go down there and do a taste, like I had to go taste, but like I had no, I had a cold, so I had like no sense of smell or taste. Um, and I don't know how many of you have had to bullshit your way through tasting <laughs> every day of my life without having all of your facilities with you. <laughs> yeah, but I did it, uh, and he was so sweet about it, and he felt so bad that I was like just the worst cold, and I never get sick either. But um, luckily, I was able to to pull some things out uh, enough, mm. even with half of my senses with me. <laughs> Always the worst. Have you ever picked a barrel? So when I was at Driftless Glen, I did pick all of the barrels. But not as a customer. No, yeah. yeah. We only did uh, single barrel releases, so right. I picked all of the ones that were released. Um, as a customer, n- no. <laughs> I've My bar experience was Fat Duck Bar and Grill in Forest Park for seven years. Sounds lovely. There were no single barrel picks there. <laughs> it is always interesting trying to sell a barrel. Um because you got w- your favorite, right? I have my favorite, right? We all do. And you also, so like one customer I recently sold to, they're they're bourbon drinkers through and through with a little bit of rye, single malts, world whiskeys. I don't think I knew two of the, t- two of the tasters. No, like not at all. One of them a little bit. He'll, he'll get out there and experience it. So I was trying to think what which one brought the most brown sugar, the most caramel to our single malt whiskey right. from Australia. And eventually they did cho- choose that one. And I'm glad they did because the other one's more like an orange crush. Yeah. And you kind of get a little bit uh, reminiscent. The Four Roses. Yeah, the Four Roses. Had a little bit of that element to it. Samu, are you leaving us already? No, no, no. Oh. Oh, did you want to uh, hop in? Uh, okay. Oh, well, are you going to the bathroom? We'll let you go to the bathroom. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let, okay. let, let them use the facilities. <laughs> Jamie just doesn't want to be here anymore. I always want to be here. Giving up her seat already. Uh, but it is. It's so interesting to try to choose and curate for the people that you're you're they're buying from you, but you also don't want to mislead them in a direction that they don't even want to buy a barrel at the end of the day because you might only have three or four choices to actually present them with. And if nothing likes, then on to the next customer, and you still have 250 cases to sell. <laughs> what are you yeah. doing, Kat? I like that you got the biggest applause yeah. out of everyone tonight. Fan favorite. Thought that was pretty funny. Uh, I, I mean, it only is fitting because, like, I got the name chant at the end of the Northman closing, and so you know, like, I'm kind of a big deal. This is yeah. our second restaurant closing this year. Wow. I, I cannot cry today. All right. Not I, today, I already Satan. did. Jamie already made me cry. Not today. Well, that's those are harsh words from a lovely lady. I know. I did miss the uh, Fountainhead closing podcast. Yeah, yeah. What the hell was that all about? Uh, my dad tested positive. Oh yeah, that's right. And then bigger things were happening. He tested negative four days later, so we think it was a false positive, but we still had to all quarantine and do the whole jam. So I am very grateful to have this Monday here. Well, I didn't know if you, if you knew that since your dad had that possibly false negative test false positive test that your uncle has now become a conspiracy theorist and doesn't believe in covid Uh, yeah i know (laughs) i knew this was all gonna happen it's fine he was telling me all about it you don't come from a 70 plus person family without a lot of conspiracy the goddamn irish (laughs) nothing phases me anymore maybe he'll come back on the podcast and talk about it for two episodes in a row 
It's very possible. I'm really hoping for it. But uh, on to the next pick. Yeah. I just want to keep talking about how much Fountainhead means to me, but it's fine. Go ahead. No, please. <laughs> Wax poetic. Please, honestly. Really? Yes. I just feel like... That's what this puck is all about. Yeah. The stories everybody comes on. I please. know. It's you're, just so many nights here. Like, one of my very favorite nights at Fountainhead was... I'll drink. You talk. Chef Cletus. Last day. Oh, God. It coincided with, I think, 20... 15 ACSA last day where I had won my first gold for a whiskey that I picked. For diving? A whiskey. <laughs> and I sit here, well, it's closed. You can say it, right? We stay here until 5 a.m. drinking. You can say whatever We've you want. We've never, no. ever stayed after hours here. <laughs> Those are fictional stories that people tell because they lose track of time. Never. Never. We... I and drank definitely, in the alley. Definitely. I was like, I just smelled pizza. Did I'm like, not. oh, because there's pizza here. Pizza got here. Uh, were you there the night that me and Nate had a ska dance party in the in the barrel room? I don't think so. Oh, that one was I'm really so, fun. That's I'm when Carrie that was one. here. But the times we've had here and like how you guys make people feel so welcome is just, it'll never be recreated for me. And it'll forever be a reason that I'm still in the industry. Well, it's think of it as a, a, a fabulous bottle of, of an agricultural product. Yeah. You'll never get it back. You'll never get it back, and it was great. It truly is a barrel pick. It really but is. But I, I guess I just never thought at 28 I would, like, have my old favorite bar that's not 28? here anymore. That's my Moira Rose voice. <laughs> it, so I'm Ron back on the podcast by popular demand. Hi, hi. Uh, we, we, we did bring that up um, the other night or evening that was 70 degrees 10 days ago. <laughs> Seems like an aeon. <laughs> um, and it was like, it was the first time I remember being up here that was truly memorable was after work um, coming up here with the COBOL team when I just started. And it was, it was, it made me feel like I want to stay in this industry. Like it was my first true job, not freelancing, um, either beer or spirits. And meeting or getting to know the people I worked with was a big, big plus. Um, made me feel very comfortable with them. And then this atmosphere really kind of encompassed everything about it. And having a really cool beer selection and a rooftop bar is a very odd thing to have. So I was more, as I mentioned, I was more into beer than whiskey at the time. And had some great, uh, great pours and great conversation. I remember just being the staff being really, really nice and welcoming. And I remember coming back here. A few weeks, a couple weeks later, with uh, my girlfriend now wife, and she kind of fell off with it that night too. And was always like, "Hey, let's go get a beer at Fountainhead when yeah. when you're out for like a Wednesday or Tuesday beer because yeah. it's such a easy place to come and relax and really enjoy everybody around here." Something I think that's also underappreciated about that element is that, to your point about the rooftop bar, there's so often the absurd premium that comes with being <laughs> in a rooftop space that just mm -hmm. because you're on a rooftop. Uh, you now immediately pay two or three dollars more for everything, yeah. even yeah. if it's a watered-down, awful martini mm. uh, or the most basic adjunct lager, uh, just because you're somehow above ground level. Nope. All right, now that's going to be ten dollars. Whereas here, uh, sure, you can get those specialty offerings if you wish, but you can also just grab uh, a familiar dram or draft. Uh, 
or one of my favorites was uh, this rosé octopus uh, wine that was, I think they described it on the menu as, quote, insanely drinkable, which is completely accurate. <laughs> and we'll just come up here and make this emblem of two intermingled hands with tentacles, and they would say, all right, we've got you. And uh, you could do it, like you say, Tuesday, right. Wednesday, Saturday, any day of the week. And it wasn't a place that you had, well, I know at certain points you had to book in advance because it was such a popular place, you know, in the summertime. Yep. Yep. But it wasn't like you were, uh, you didn't feel like you were getting put on a, on a wait list at a, at a club or anything like that, a rooftop right. that you traditionally go to yeah. in River North or in the Loop. Wasn't trying to manufacture its hype. Right. And for me, it was, as the years went on, like, you have to understand, I was 21, 22 the first time I was in here. Yeah. Um, and as the years went on, I knew I could come here and either like confide in the staff or I would say 90% of the time I have visited Fountainhead, there is someone else I know here. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it so encompasses a neighborhood bar invite that I don't think we have with the other whiskey bars in Chicago. I would say most bars. I mean, for me personally, there's a couple, uh, there definitely is and Unfortunately, a couple of those places haven't been able to open yet um, during this whole COVID era. But uh, this one was definitely the easiest one, um, the most comfortable one to walk into. And I think, as we said many times, the most cozy, welcoming place yeah. to have. A question I had for you listening back to the podcast and editing um, our farewell episode was you mentioned that you and Bob for six and a half years had had your weekly meeting or maybe twice a, twice a week meeting. Indeed. How does that change your week and your job? Uh, still trying to figure that out, to be honest. Uh, I came by today, even though Fountainhead proper didn't necessarily need anything. Right. Um, but for the immediate moment, he's still working with the market next door, uh, which is the Fountainhead at home experience. Uh, the full, well, the full gamut, if not full range of the quality of spirits, spears, um, uh, wines, the, 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 the tenor and the, the taste of Fountainhead is represented there. So there was still something to be done today, technically, but a lot of it is just habit. And <laughs> frankly, I don't think either of us is quite ready to let that go. Yeah. Um, but indeed, this, this is a place that I dedicate probably perhaps um, two plus hours a week too so for that to then be changed uh, then pushes pushes my focus into a different space maybe I'd spend more time with colleagues and working on training them um, or begin to cast about and figure out the people who came here where do they go mm. what do they do and what are the kind of places in the neighborhood where their interests will now be filtering off to and how do I then either um, uh, I don't want to say preempt, presage, predict that and then go to those places and sort of identify and um, But isn't it so hard right now? Oh, with of course, yeah, there's, there's really no way to know. Yeah, like I think that for me on sales, I was telling people I probably did 80% off-premise, 20% on-premise in the past like four months. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, um, oh yeah. <laughs> and now I'm at like 97% right. off-premise. <laughs> Definitely. Um, but that 3% feels so good, doesn't it? It, it really, like, I no, and I agree with you, like a, a part of my heart's missing. Like honestly, no. like, 
coming home to my fiance, he coaches hockey. So we both have an interesting relationship where we have something outside of ourselves that we care a lot about. Like I actually care about tasting whiskey. I love meeting these people. I love teaching people. And I'm not able to do that. Right. And I think that that like is slowly like we could all do the first lockdown. We could all do the second lock or the bars shutting down. But it, right now it, it just feels it feels really hard and it feels sad and it's it's hard for us to want to get out there. Yeah. No, I, I when I heard the news about Fountainhead by just refreshing Instagram. Um, huh. was standing right next in our hallway of our, our between our living room and our dining room and I just I fell to my knees I literally I literally fell to my knees and said Brittany and she's in her office down the hall and I'm like so yeah I'm like Fountainhead's closing she's like what I'm like Fountainhead's closing she's like what do you mean and it doesn't it didn't I was compute. at a trade show where in Rochester, Minnesota. Ooh, I love it, Rochester, Minnesota. It was my first time back in the market, really, because I, I do the whole Midwest. It was my first time back in Minnesota. They were trying a trade show for the first time, and I, it was very dead, um, which we kind of knew, right? Like, first attempt to do it, they were staggering the buyers, but a lot of people kind of bowed out, which rightfully so. But I was like, I'm up in Minnesota. I'd happily be there. Um and I looked at my phone and I saw the post and I felt beside myself, you guys. I I went to the vendor or the supplier next to me, the other distiller, and I'm like, you need to do a shot with me. This is like <laughs> in the middle of a trade show. I'm like, we need to do a shot. You don't understand, but if I don't, I will cry right now. Well, I think that's an interesting uh, part of all this, too, is the reach that Fountainhead has and the response they've got back from people all over the country and across the world, too, to... Uh, say their condolences in a weird way um also say cheers and wish them the best but it's an impact that reaches very far one of the things that i'm curious about is how the taste making that they have done here then resonates elsewhere so well, they on, a night the like market. This, on a night like this where yes but on a night like this where we are sharing and tasting essentially their palate Mm -hmm. their experience and what they're looking for in these spirits, what other places that either take out the mantle for now, uh, hoping that Fountainhead can tap another well right. somewhere, um, and what then is that legacy of this, this, this flavor, essentially? Yeah, well, I worry about it because... I've never seen such an influx of single barrels on the off-premise side mm. um, as I have in the past four months. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. And I crazy. feel like people are just pretending to know, and it's like, these are people who have traveled these places. Yes. Like, I don't know how many times Aaron has been to Scotland, but I can tell you it's a lot. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and this man cares, and like he's really hurt my feelings before because I've shown him something I loved, and he told me it sucked. <laughs> but five years later, I may agree. Like, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, you yeah, need yeah. people like that in your life. But it's also good to have people like you who are passionate about what they're selling, too. Right. Not but, myopically. But, but you but still need an errand to right. put you down. Exactly. It's that <laughs> balance you you're always grow. looking for. You won't grow. And there it, is still the role for the gatekeeper. Uh, yeah. Uh, 100%. And this place I never saw as a gatekeeper. Like, it never was uh But you know what's funny? For a while, so I've been told, like, five, six years ago, like, it was really hard. Oh. Um, 
And then I always knew the family, the Zacharias so well that like I would go taste with them, but then people would be like, oh, we can't get into Fountainhead. And I'm probably in trouble for saying this, but I credit a lot to Bob being like super open, super kind, just being like, yeah, I'm gonna try everything. Mm-hmm. Like, That's not, nothing wrong with that. It's, uh, give everything a shot. Absolutely. Doesn't mean that you'd give it a placement. And you can always come back and try again. Mm-hmm. That was the opportunities you had here. I guess, yeah, maybe we had it a little too easy. Maybe we always had that. I don't mean, but my relationship with Bob definitely developed through the industry, but it was also more of a freelancer and a consumer and a guy who worked for a distillery, but I wasn't I wasn't a rep at the time. And yeah. But when I came in here, it was open arms with, with Star Wars, and it wasn't, yeah. wasn't the biggest issue, I guess. But I, I guess it also helps when you make good juice. Ooh, Bob has some. Is offering us some crust. Parading around some pizza crust. No, okay. You guys want some crust, guys? <laughs> I'll have one. You know, soon, soon enough. Oh, I, I, I can get it myself, Bob. No, you're done working. Bob is never done working. <laughs> That's very true. His hospitality is immaculate. I, I do wonder, uh, as you kind of alluded to, Bob earlier, who benefits from this. Um, I think it's hard to tell right now because no bars are certainly going to be opening up anytime soon, probably. Um, but somebody will benefit from an establishment like this closing down. No question. Because there's customers lingering around. For sure, but for when's place. the right time, right? Like we've now, seen a couple places. Yeah, but we've seen a couple places on Lake Street in the West Loop and Randolph like start buying and then reopening. Oh, really? Yeah, if you think of um, grapes and grains. Oh, yeah. Like, really prime real estate. They bought really nice craft liquor, like, went all out. They're going to be shut down again. Like, oh, you mean... Oh, I got you. I'm that. saying the people who have been trying to take advantage of the pandemic, yeah. we don't know when it's over. So it's been interesting seeing people try to take advantage of, like, low real estate. It's like the stock market. Yeah. Buy low, sell high. I guess we all went into this, though, because we hated finance, and we hated math, and we hated traditional lifestyles. (laughs) Sell sheets. And so quickly we're being turned into people who need to go to off-premise all day and liquor stores, and um, it's just so different. We're all learning to adapt, you know? Oh, 100%. Indeed. It's not that there aren't those off-premise places that are as equally thoughtful and caring and curative is that a word curation curate curating their sets much as they do here and are equally invested in hand selling and engaging with everybody who walks in the door but uh much as fountainhead was unique those places are also unique on that side of things yeah and there's it seems that those places were also the kind of places that would be more hybrid uh, places like the Beer Temple. Yeah. Um, or um, one of my favorite uh, spots up further north from here, Rogers Park Social. Yeah, yeah. And Love it. The provisions and how they have a similarly curative experience. But I saw Wally, um, maybe this was like three weeks ago, I saw Wally and Eric. And it, they were working so hard. They always on this, do. Like, oh, always. Yeah. But they were really. Tri- like they were in the midst of decorating their little outdoor pop-up and they did an amazing space with it. But Wally's direct words, and it's interesting seeing how people take 
different routes with what's going to happen as well. He's like, we're not going to be in Wisconsin. Like, if this place shuts down, that's fine. But I'm not having people in my bar. And I feel like it's interesting to see, like, we are making bar owners decide morals or a living. Yeah, because I drove it's down. It's that drastic it right is. now. I, I drove like, down Clark on Saturday night. It's not fun anymore. Night. It never and was fun. Bars are full. The bars are full in, in Earlyville. Yep. Same with Pilsen. And they shouldn't, as for any guests or any listeners, didn't know we are. But it's not because they're assholes. It's out of desperation. I think so. Yeah. It's not about like, hey, we're going to have people in here because we want to get them sick or get them hurt. It's because if we don't open, we might not be able to be open ever. Yeah, I, I part of I it. See I see that I, there is also irresponsibility. There is right because there are some 100%, of those who are, yeah. there are some of those who are saying we either lose our liquor license because we get shut down by virtue of being open, or we shut down forever. Thus, we're going back to the previous guidelines of twenty five percent interior service, whatever it might be. But I don't really think I see a lot of that. Much of what I see, um, both uh, incidentally here in the city. And then also it's significantly more in the suburbs is the response that, no, we're just going to open up and pack them in and take what we can get. And it's not adhering to any kind of particular guidance. And it's not. It, I think the bars we're talking about, too, aren't the ones that are uh, doing it out of unselfish needs, <laughs> put it that way. Right. It's they're, uh, They know they can get away with it because... They, I don't think they're going to get away with it, but they probably got slaps in the wrist. They were the reason why we went from, I, I believe, having indoor dining to not having indoor dining because they're taking advantage of the situation. And mm-hmm. had the first week, we, that first couple weeks that bars were back open, they were packed. People were in line. People were not wearing masks. People were, in a sense, causing trouble for the, in, the institutions, the bars, and the places like this that we're doing everything properly and then even going to an extra step to making sure that the clientele and their um, their staff are safe. Right. And at that point, then, you're punishing those people who are trying to follow the rules. Right. Uh, while those who are not following the rules have more or less free reign for the time being. Were there any favorites of the barrel picks for you? Or I don't, I'm sure you tried most of these in the past. Uh, I have, yeah. But it's good to revisit the range here this evening. Um, as I think we've discussed, I tend to lean more towards scotch than bourbon. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, um, that Four Roses was really something quite magical. Did you start drinking scotch? or? I'm sorry? Like your whiskey experience, did you start with scotch? Because I feel uh, like that's interesting. I. It's hard to say. I think it was a bit, um, a bit all over the place. It would have had elements of... Uh, I, th- I would think, actually, before coming to bourbon or any brown spirit, I would have been drinking akivitz or gin. Oh, wow. So white spirits first, uh, but not vodka. was never a fan of that. Where are you from originally? Uh, I t- moved around so much it's hard to okay. really say. But um, And then rum, too. So, yeah, I think, actually, bourbon was one of the last hmm. categories that I had really found and still to this day prefer rye typically to bourbon. Which makes sense for our generation, really. Uh-huh. I mean, that w- we had the, all the clear spirits and rum was very big, I feel like, when 
at some point. Sure. Rum has always been the next big thing. It's always the uh, next big thing. Always <laughs> just waiting in the wings, isn't it? Well, but I mean, rum was uh, big for us. I mean, we would drink really crappy rum with Coke. The Aron as well was just so yeah. um, pretty. It was just a very pretty, pretty whiskey. Mm-hmm. It is. I agree with that. I think perhaps those two might be might be my calls. Like Aaron said, it's what single malts used to be. What? Yes, indeed. Before the big finishes really started showing up and <laughs> slapping everything around. I For know. me, it was the Russell's Reserve and then the Glenfarclas. Two of my favorites. Two of my favorites. The Russell's was the one that I wanted. I liked it very much, but it was the it was the one out of the flight that I said, I really like this, but I wonder what this would show in a cocktail. That's great. Uh, <laughs> And I think I Do think. You th- Bob, see, I don't even think about that with single cast. With the Russells, or just no, in just general? just if you're gonna do like a single, a barrel, a single uh, barrel. No. I don't think about what that does in a cocktail. That oh, follows, yeah. Oh, um, But what if, say, for instance, an establishment has their own signature cocktail? So, much as there is the the Manhattan that they often serve here. If there is a, a signature single pick of their own and they've made a cocktail with a similarly minded kind of balance, perhaps then their own single pick spirit might play well into that space. I love that, yeah. I, I've, I've made some cocktails with this Russell's pick before in the past. Some old fashioned, some variants on a Manhattan, oh. um, and delicious. Because that candied flavor comes in there so well, the nuts. Right. It's, it's, it's just great for right, old exactly. fashioned. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 I like that approach and. I know there's certain bars that do that. They will, especially like a Buffalo Trace pick or a Knob Creek pick, which mm-hmm. are more more accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe on the cheaper end too, but they really highlight. I mean, here they do it with the Buffalo Trace pick. Just so. Yeah, with the highballs um, on Wednesday nights. You know, you can get those Buffalo Trace highballs for eight dollars the barrel pick. That's, That's absurd. About as good as it gets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't really beat that, and it'd be one of the things that'll be muchly missed over uh, the closure of here, but. Mm-hmm. We shall adjust, but these are, I think the iron was the only thing I had never had out of here. Oh, all right. Yeah. Uh, I, the Elijah Craig 21-year-old, which is a very special drink as well. Indeed it was. Especially to bourbon fans. Um, Bob poured that for us on one of my eight last nights at Fountainhead. That I, had. <laughs> I can empathize with that situation. Um, yeah. yeah, so uh, we were at the group here. Paul was over there, was a part of it as well, and... Um, as we were leaving, Bob poured us uh, a taste of that. So mm-hmm. that was very special. The Russells, I've um, waxed poetic enough about. Uh, Glenn Farkless, I told Aaron, I drink that brand because of Fountainhead um, with the barrel picks they've done. The advocacy for it yes. is unmatched. Like, I was yep. just drinking the 12 last night, just on a casual night, mm-hmm. watching a, whatever I was, watching TV with my wife and <laughs> having a little bit of that and enjoying it, uh, something to go with it. I know I've had the Four Roses. It's been a while, but I agree with you. It's a very special whiskey. Yeah. Um, it opens up so much. To, we, I was saying, on the nose, it was such a bruised banana kind of flavored uh, nose to it. Yes. And then and a little bit of uh, just like a, uh, a harsh alcohol taste to it as well, or nose on it. Added some water to it. Opened up the floral, the orange notes to it. Mm. Um, yeah. Much more of, an, more, more of an inviting nose, I thought. Yeah, and I appreciate, um, it kind of sounds silly, but with the amount of single barrels I've tasted lately. You're so cool. <laughs> okay, that did sound pretentious. Is that, but the, is that the humble brag? Is that what that is supposed to be? Uh, 
I do want to say though, like I'm sick of everyone being like the barnyard smell or the it's not a barnyard, it's like oh. a musty smell. Yeah, yeah. That everyone's like, no, but it's great. I don't appreciate the musty. You can have a little bit. I didn't taste it in any of these. But I feel like a lot of people are just starting to agree with all flavors. Wasn't there agree with all flavors you said? You know what I mean? Yeah, like they find what they pull out of it, correct? And suddenly it's great. Without no, I don't want to try musty mold and (laughs) you know an old library plus your grandma's sweater. Uh, I think that's a very well phrased. A little bit, yeah. you understand. It's like right. a funky cheese, right? Yeah. Like you yeah. get a little bit of funk, a little bit of nastiness, and it's good. I'm a but nasty guy. Put things okay. in, in some sort of balance. Or if you are including those flavors, understand why they're being included. Uh, Bob's trying to get your attention. Uh, oh, my. Oh, my. Uh, oh, my. Sure. Yeah, no reason not to. Bob, where did you steal that from? The Dark Lord has descended upon the evening here. I uh, don't... Know if I've ever had a Dark Lord. I'm watching Aaron eat Here's a piece a of pizza. Of passage. He said oh, that he'd that's come not on true. after. I have, but, but it's um, it's been a couple of years. It's did a it's, cu- did a uh, loyal fan bring that? I believe so. It appears to be this year's bottle, with that nude sort of printed wrap about it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We're about to find out, I suppose. I'm so scared. But to your point about um, everybody picking their own flavor, there's something liberating about that, and isn't that what a single barrel pick is all about? Right. But it For doesn't sure. necessarily mean that if you go through a tasting and find that barrel that is just completely dominated by mouse or ethyl acetate or whatever it is and say, oh, this is my single barrel, that just because it's a single barrel means somebody needs to taste it and It's like what Ambrosia was saying in the beginning where she's like, much. we okay. have to pick things for consumers. You do. And, but I think consumers know where they find barrel picks that are great for their palate as well. And, and hence the question about where is the palate of this space and what it's guided right. going to? Right. Where do those people go? And what then does the Fountainhead palette become? Where does that go? There's a lot of customers that are loyal to that palette, loyal to the choice of the, oh. the three or four people, five people that have curated some really great barrels that have a dedicated room to those barrels, which is very special. And I'm I feel bad for anybody who didn't get to come visit and enjoy an event or have a dram inside of there because I think it is a special place. It's unfortunate, but there will be somebody, I think, that can hopefully pick up the slack and it might even be this group to uh, do it in a new location or a different regime, not a different regime, but under a different emblem. And We can certainly dance our pagan dances and cast the runes and hope very much that it does manifest somewhere. Yeah, I think it's, um, as we've talked endlessly, I feel like for multiple, as we've come here so many of the last nights last at Fountainhead, nights. Yep. I've had many last podcasts at Fountainhead. <laughs> <laughs> and back by popular demand. Kind Hi. of, kind of, kind Hi, of. Hi, it's me, Jamie. Oh, it's not Jamie. Oh. Um, Great her intro. more beautiful uncle has replaced her. Yes. <laughs> replaced her. Well, much more bedazzling. Marty Duffy, uh, the... Uh, Crystal, Crystal King of Crystal, Chicago. Crystal, thank you. You lay down the crystal hammer, big time. Yeah. Whenever you say crystal hammer, I always think of like Avengers. Avengers? Yeah. yeah. I'm kind of like the Thor, the Scottish. Can you talk in the microphone? I, I, I'm sorry. I'm kind of like an Irish American. You do have your own show as well. Of a Scottish Thor, but you're not Scottish. No, I'm Irish American. 
So why Scottish? Because uh, it's uh, Scottish crystal. Hello. Is it the best crystal? The most fine crystal in all the world? I don't know. <laughs> you should know that answer. Well, I mean, what's the definition of the finest crystal? I don't I know. Mean, our I'm crystal, you. I put our crystal up against uh, Lalique or uh, or uh, Bach Rock. Mm. Um, I mean, we do have beautiful crystal, man. So I assume you've had all these uh, barrel picks that we had tonight? See? Yeah. Anything no? stand out? Well, you know, I, it's funny. We were talking about it over at the table and... Uh, a long time ago, I started a conversion from being a bourbon drinker to a scotch drinker. Though I still enjoy bourbons, I j- when you put them down next to each other, yeah, I still gravitate to the the, the scotches and uh, uh, Aaron Isle. That's a, that that was a beautiful one. Uh, but I I also I'm with Mr. Aaron Zacharias, the uh, owner of this fine establishment. Um that uh, I'm a Glenn Farkless fan. Have been for a long time. Nope. You know, back when the uh, when no one knew about it, and Scotch was still eh, it was about ten years into its resurgence, maybe fifteen years. Uh, Duke of Perth had it, uh, a 25 year old Glenn Farkless in that cabinet, yeah, off to the side, and it was really cheap. I think the bottle itself. If you went to a store, it was retailing for 100 bucks at the time. Wow. And that was, I remember bringing George Grant in there and telling him that, and he was really pissed. Because <laughs> so, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be, it shouldn't be $100. It should be more than that. I'll talk to my distributor. Um, but all things in time. The, so the glass itself was, the, uh, the, the glass of whiskey was really affordable. Um. So that was, I mean, that was, that was a nice little intro into the the wonderful world of uh, Glenn Farkless, uh, and uh, obviously a 25 year old though. That was really good, really really good. There's some some old. I'm not a big ageist when it comes to Scotch. I don't believe that you know older Scotches are automatically better. But once in a while, man, you do taste a an older single malt scotch and you go oh my god that is like a little little nectar of the gods a little true time capsule just a little bit of heaven (laughs) yes (laughs) ambrosia popping by for a moment yeah and ambrosia shared the stories of having the relationship with the the russells so i think uh maybe we'll pause here and try to get the zacharias brothers to come on a little bit later once they're done Hosting for the last time to talk about these uh, these five pours and Fountainhead itself and wrap it up there. That would be right and proper. How do you feel about that, Marty? I think that's a very good idea there, Jacob. Well, I'm full of them. I also kind of <laughs> want some pizza. <laughs> Ooh, and we're 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 back from we're a short intermission after tasting more whiskey, eating some pizza. I love cold pizza, so that was the best part for me. Bob, welcome back to the podcast. I mean, your first time, right? Thank you very much. Long time uh, listener, first time caller. Well, I'm going to let you introduce uh, a first time guest to the we podcast. Did, we did. We I finally we were able to get him on. Uh, it's been a hard get. Yeah, yeah, been a hard get, but uh, but 
uh, I'd like to introduce my brother and uh, managing uh, partner, proprietor of Fountainhead, as well as a bar on Buena and the Northman Beer and Saturday Garden on the Riverwalk, Aaron Zacharias. Thanks for coming and hanging out. Yeah, cheers, guys. A lot of fun. Uh, finally, I met my fee, so <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> took a while. It took a while. It took yeah. long enough. Hard negotiations. Uh, no, thank you for thank you for Fountainhead, first of all. Cool, man. Um, it's, it's been, been a good one, ride. As Many people have come on this podcast for the last couple of weeks and month or so, talked about the memories they've had here, how they grew up here as adolescent whiskey and beer drinkers and turned in this house into having a good palate, a roundabout palate, and uh, leaving the bars better people for knowing better people, but also being educated about the whiskey, about the spirits, and the beer that's, that's here. And that's uh, you know, because of the people you've hired and the people that have created this whole atmosphere. Yeah, I think that's you know just bearing fruit. And if a lot of people came away from this place, you know, learning a little bit more, having some good times. I mean, especially a lot of the staff that's come through, and they're throughout the whole industry these days. So they're the they're the buyers, they're the sales managers, they're the brand ambassadors, and you know, we're still working with them all. So that's a lot of fun, you know. So, but I'm glad that you had a good time. Yeah, I always have a good time here. Yeah, never, cool. never have not. So I always leave here. Never. Uh, it's it's I, 100%. I would honestly say that because right, yeah. I can remember the first time I came here, at least right. the roof deck. First time I came here, it might have been a little foggy uh, downstairs. Not my fault. No, no, no. no. <laughs> pre, I, it was pre-coming to Fountainhead that made me foggy. Yeah. I believe it was some Campari shots at the long room maybe or something like that. Right. Something along those lines. That'll happen um, at the long room. Yeah. But uh, I, as I've said a couple of times um, tonight in, on previous episodes coming up here after work uh, at one day at, at Cobol, um, mm-hmm. one of my first week or two working in the office there, it was a experience that made me kind of know everybody who was working with, bring me closer to them. Yeah. It was part of this atmosphere here and figuring out how you can come to a rooftop and have really great beers and really great whiskey and it's nothing pretentious about it, nothing you're trying to have, you know, hide or highlight or make you feel like you're in some glitzy experience at all. It's just about being yourself and hanging out with good people and a good space. Yeah, that's really what this place was about is we just it, we took it from the bar on Buena and said, okay, now what if we created a bigger candy store? And something, though, that had its own identity, you know, and something that we do a little bit some, you know, different with the food and the programming. And, yeah, it was never meant to be pretentious, you know. Never so I'm glad, I'm glad, yeah, it felt that way. No, I, I, I'm not just saying it to you, not just saying because Bob's here. It's always been one of my favorite places is in the city to come visit and Bar and Buena is also near and dear to my heart. Bob and I both watched the Cubs win the World Series yep. there, so uh, yep, which well. we didn't know we were both there until about we two no we didn't know ago. yeah right I was yeah. there oh there we go <laughs> yep yeah. he was there too another experience to enjoy together uh, no it's uh, it's always been a pleasure and it's one of those places that I mean, dedicating people like this that are still here watching the Bears play on a Monday night what a fitting end I, I really I really feel like we're you can have a whole Chicago experience at a what I consider to be a Chicago institution. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. And it's it's been a blast. You know, this is fun. And it's been fun tonight. You know, some really good whiskeys. I'm sure you've you know spoken about that. But I would love to get your insights on them further. We, we can talk about what we tasted and cool. our experience with them, but you're the one curating the selection. So. Well, well, actually, Bob curates now. So <laughs> let's be honest about that. 
So I just try. You know, step back a little bit, but when it comes to casks, obviously still very involved. And speaking of the Cubs World Series, yeah, after that, that was a Bowmore Dragon 30. Mm. Uh, that, yeah, just we have a secret little back area there and just looked over at the silhouette of St. Mary's on the lake, the steeple, and uh, enjoyed a Bowmore 30 after that win. So I grew up a block away from Wrigley Field for a time before it was called Wrigleyville. And, uh, yeah, so I just brought a little bit of uh, some beautiful Bowmore into that experience. I decided to head down. It was a good. It was a good night. Right, that was a real good night. <laughs> a very good night. It was one of those nights where uh, I think everyone always knows where they were, what they experienced. Oh yeah. And having a dram like that, I made the wrong decision and went down to Wrigleyville and got messed up in the chaos of it all. And I, was, I remember walking west on Addison at one point, and then also I was walking east, but I didn't turn in the direction at all. Your feet were literally elevated from the ground because there's so many people walking around. Yeah. And it's like I had my, my, my wife had a panic attack. I felt like, and I'm like, oh, we're just you just go with the flow to see what happens. Yeah, well, uh, I liked what I was doing better. I, I think yeah, I, I like your experience lot. better too. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to like into every bar possible, like ever yeah, for clothes, for max capacity or whatever it was. So I should have stayed at the bar in Buena. Yeah, it was it was it was great. Yeah, we enjoyed it. I think so. your door guy told me I was the last guy in there. I was actually doing a tour at Coval. Okay. And uh, these customers, like, from New York would not take no for an answer. Like, we want to do a tour. We paid for it. I'm like, but it's Game 7 the World Series. I even told him that my dad and I were watching the game together, and he's an Indians fan, and it's like our dream come true, which is partially true. We weren't watching it together because he lives in Iowa. Right. But he is, he's from Cleveland, but uh, yeah. But still, I was lying to them. They're like, no, we want to do it. I'm like, all right, but you got to be out by, like, 6 o'clock because I'm leaving in – they were so persistent, but then I got to the bar. My friends were already there, had their table set up, and the doorman was like, yeah, I was waiting for you. Your table's right there. I'm like, well, thank you very much, sir. Shows the hospitality you guys have. Brilliant. I, I, I'm sure it was Bob or someone of that ilk. <laughs> might have yeah. been. Might have been Bob. Might have been. We just might not have known it yet. On, on game, I'm game seven. I was not working. <laughs> were you working? I was working for a time, yes. I was working for a time. I was around, I was helping, but I was also watching the game. As you should have been. Yeah. 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 As, we, as we all kind of were. It's one of those you nights think? where you, you, never, you never care if your beer came a little bit late or anything like that. You're like, I understand why everyone's eyes are glued to the TV, and maybe I'm not going to get the uh, the best service in the world, if you will. <laughs> yeah. That's understandable. Well, well, okay. I apologize for that. No, no. I, I, I want to say I didn't receive that service because actually our waitress was, I couldn't believe how on point she was with like with everybody around us too. Yeah, it was chaos. It was chaos. Right. Yeah, Fun it chaos. Was good, it was good chaos. Good. Absolutely. That's what we want. Like what the hell is going to happen? Are we going to be in rain delay for hours? That was the weird What's, what's going to happen? Are we going to start this game up at midnight? Like what? when is game seven going to end? Yeah, what's... Who's Joe Madden going to pull next? <laughs> I mean, so many questions. We just were, we were Cause it was about, leaving was it about Madden. So, un, so unfair, by the way. Great manager. <laughs> I agree. But I guess we could talk about these single casts, too. Okay, I guess. I guess so, if you want yeah. to. Sure. If you're, if you're okay with that. Yeah, I, we, you know, we opened five really shitty casks. <laughs> and, Truly. You know... It, Coming from, I'm yeah, glad the I, I, be here. I store these in the bathroom you know, <laughs> normally so that someone can just come in and have a drink if they want. Yeah. And the idea is, you know, tonight to share those with everyone, not just the bathroom goers. 
And in, in that way, and in that sense, you know, we really, you know, get to have people come in and just share in the experiences from Fountainhead starting in 2010, mm-hmm. you know, to closer to today, to some of our favorite casks that we bought. So that was that was a lot of fun. It's about a, a sharing experience mm-hmm. with enthusiasts and and just spoke to a few people tonight that just really like in, enjoy whiskey, getting to know it. And that's who we want also to taste this because. I mean, who gets to taste an old 21-year-old cask, you know, that's not like curry, that's very raw, you know, still in nature. And, and that's exciting for me, you know, to share that. Well, that was an interesting story about it, too, how were, did you really think you're, they were trying to dupe you at first? Now, you know what? I, I don't think it was a dupe okay. by any sense. I think that it was still something thought of as, you know, we can get rid of these casks. They're just kind of older there wasn't a lot of uh love behind those generally in the whole industry speaking upon the elijah craig barrel yeah 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 correctly yeah that's the elijah craig 21 that has the 18 label on it right (laughs) i love that story they didn't have the 21 yet they didn't have any of them and what year was that when you went down there uh that was 2011 spring when we went down there so that was casked in 90 we went down there in early 11 and then by the time that actually got filled as a 21 year old you know so really really fun you tasted it right right, right. yeah so i've had a pour just about three weeks ago or so we had a pour of it too paul and i shared one of it and Mm -hmm. you're like right away it's something that hits your lips and it's different um and i I need to hide the rest of the bottles better Not from myself, from everybody, from the world. You know, it's uh, for a little bit. They just need to hide. The way bourbon took off just a couple of years later, where immediately, really, Mm -hmm. I I tried to get more of that. I mean, once it got in the bottle, got here, I wanted more. That was it. That was the that was the end of that. So no chance, no chance at all. So it was that quick. We just got right in. You know, so hey, feel lucky about that. Because Bob, you shared stories great. about how like you were give, they were giving away whiskey at certain points. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, Aaron had t- been telling me about how I, you know, when he opened the bar in Buena and was supporting uh, these brands that are under you know certain distillery portfolios that they were at that time like buy a case, get a case in 2005, stuff like Elmer T. Lee. Oh, yeah, and actually, 2004. So we opened in 2003, and I'm sure all the other whiskey guys can tell you in this city. That, I mean, they were giving it away. Buy one, get two free. So to get the three-pack placement, can you believe that? You could buy an Eagle Rare and get a Blanton's free. (laughs) Just in 2004, I mean, we're not, look, I'm aging myself a little bit, but it's not ancient history. And then they would throw in an Elmer T. Lee to boot. Oh, excuse me. No, (laughs) please, go for it. Lots of love to Michelle Foy, who's thank, leaving. Thank you, All right, drink Air Cider. Yes. Drink Air Cider. They're drink open Arisider. right now, yes. which is really important. Drink their beer too. <laughs> love you, Michelle. No, it, uh, my my grandpa was an engineer at Jim Beam. Um, yeah, yeah, you were telling me that. Uh, That's cool. Yeah, that's right. You shared the bottle of the donkey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we sure um, did. Yeah, we sure it, did. Those stories about how. This literally giving bourbon away, and no one believing in what Booker was trying to do with single barrels and small batch, and then now, it's this year you can't even find Booker's on the shelf anywhere. No way. 
It's and, which is crazy. It's a sixty-five dollar bottle of whiskey two years ago. Now yep. it's heading towards that right. naughty word of allocation. Yep. Well, you know, and and so much of that. We all, we all have opinions on that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we do. But in any case, you know, it's a good thing for the category, and it's a good thing for people that you know we understand. Hey, our our great American spirit, right? So it's pretty cool. Out of these, I know you've had some very personal relationships with the people involved in these barrel picks when it comes to distilleries and owners of distilleries, master distillers. Is there anything that stands out about these? Well, you think there, there's one. What would your guess be? Probably the Glen Farkless. Glen Farkless, yeah. Without question. It's it's my favorite distillery uh, out of a lot of distilleries, but there's just something about the family connection, the connection with the people, and the land and everything that's there that's Glen Farkless is just, they, they have a true flavor profile, and it's... They don't change it a lot. I think they just get a little bit better, a little technical, technically. You know, of course, they improve and they're they're spot on with everything that they're doing, but they're not trying to recreate anything specifically. And where you see a lot of people going to different uh, non-age statements and you know, mm-hmm. just really trying to recreate some some different expressions. They just kind of still put their, you know, thumb on the button that says we're Glenn Farkless. And man, that's that's still pretty cool, right? You know, so so I, I love that. And when we started with this barrel, we had a lot of help from George Grant, who, you know, we, we were obviously just huge enthusiasts and you know, we knew some common people and uh, Sean Ludford introduced us actually and from Bevex. And you know, we just ran with it. You know, he was enthusiastic. Mm-hmm. We were enthusiastic. We were able to create that new art, you know, that's yeah, ridiculous, yeah, yeah. having a rental car sitting in the River Spey, <laughs> which is technically kind of right in um, the ma- That scene would have taken place behind the Mashton in Aberlauer. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, just, it's, it's fantastic. So everything about the dram is is cool and it's so it's a story yeah but you know that whole distilleries a long story like so many are so many are these long stories and especially when they're still family owned and they have their own you know I, th- I think their expressions to me you know they really just speak through through not changing so much as evolving into the next one and the next and the next generation so so that's why you know i love it and just got behind that cast because it's also it's an amazing cask <laughs> yeah. that relationship start with you personally is just by drinking the brand or yeah yeah it started there like really enjoying glenn farkless and that it's not overly sherried I like the weight of it on the tongue. I like the balance and everything that they're doing. It's just kind of like this nice biscuity, has some nice dried fruits. Now, again, it's balance. Yep. And when it comes to beer or other spirits and wine especially, I've always been a very balance-driven uh, person in my, in my palate, my preferences. I mean, mm-hmm. and I, I'm all for the extreme, but for me on my everyday, you know, or or every other day drinking, yeah. then, you know, I go for the balance, seriously. What are your, like, 
kind of leads to the question of when you're picking a barrel, do you pick more towards your palate or what do you think the customers will enjoy? Wow, that's a good question because, Bob, we do things differently, don't we? I mean, yeah, yeah Bob, why don't, you, why don't you jump into that? Because we have we have an interesting dynamic between right now Ambrosia, myself, and Bob. That's our tasting team. But they're all, the customers are coming here because they trust whatever you're doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe, they don't, yeah. maybe they don't know the three individuals behind those individual barrels. Yeah. But they also know you're going to curate something special and opportunistic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think each each sort of barrel or each sort of cask can. I think we look try to look at each one individually of what what are we tasting? What is this distillery known for? What is their usual characteristics? All right, now what is this single barrel? How is that? Is there are there different characteristics? That sometimes there might be something that really just stands out that's really really unique from a distillery that's not almost anything like what their normal product is, and it might be something like you know what this would go great in a Manhattan and maybe that could be a use for that or maybe a lot of times there might be just one that we all look at each other even though we don't really say anything during the tastings but there's been times where we get done with our first round without saying anything and we'll look at each other like I've got mine I've got mine I've got mine we're like yep this one and we all agree or a lot of times it might be back and forth and there might be what's great about having three people at least three people we've always had is to have different different opinions and different you know, his profiles that each person likes. So in that way, it's not just a singular, uh, singular vote or singular concept. Unless, if, you know, I think there may have been one time where Aaron went ultimate veto. Uh, there might have been one time where that happened, and he was right. So, um, but it's a lot of, it's so much fun tasting with multiple people and getting, like, into that distilleries and, and then seeing what there might be a cast that's really kind of out there. Like, this is kind of out there and not something that, um, that BT normally tastes like, you know, it's, everything's going to be different. But uh, so I think it's kind of an individual um, experience. I agree. No, absolutely. And, and like I said, customers come here because they believe in what you're going to do. Obviously, having that trust in the brand of Fountainhead and the trust in the brands that you're picking from, too. Because Ambrosia said there was one barrel pick uh, with Weller you all decided on right away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's, I remember there's that. been a few of those. That was the antique. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, well, we do an antique pick right. every antique year. Antique 107, yeah. And we we align fairly closely there because we know where we want to go with it. Whereas, you know, and some others, I'm like, okay, well, what are we thinking about? Maybe maybe we should think outside the box on what this is. And this is such an oddball. Then it's, you know, let's let's fo- let's not try to beat the blender. Yeah. Right there. They're going to use that maybe as one small component in their, you know, 100-barrel vatting or however that's going to shake out depending on the distillery, whereas, or, or thousands. And for us, it's like, well, let's find that one singular component maybe that might remind you of the blend. I mean, it's going to have obviously the same mash bill and, you know, and, and age and everything else, but it's an offshoot. Those are fun. And then determining, like Bob said, hey, this is, you know what, let's not think that you're just going to have a dram or that you're just going to have a shot of this or a neat pour or a rocks pour. This is a whiskey pour because this is going to go really cool with an orange peel. You know, and, and that's it. And then maybe someone thinks of a vermouth and I'm like, wait a minute, now if we do this, that's a Manhattan. This is, this is just a cool flavor. And that's... I mean, otherwise, if we're just trying to pick the closest thing next to, you know, the 
the profiled expression, then what are we doing? Just just buy Buffalo Trace or just buy Four Roses. Just, right. just go buy Smallbacks. It's fantastic. Nice. I mean, uh, you know, <laughs> what are you going to do? You, you should be drinking something, you know, a little bit different. Otherwise, we provide no value right. at all. What did the world of barrel picking look like for for bars and restaurants when you started doing it? Was it as popular? Um, I, no, not, not as now. Not, 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 now yeah. not at all, obviously. Right. And it was, you know, so now it's it's a little bit more controlled, and we understand why. Because yeah. the distiller, I mean, they have to also protect their own inventory. I mean, at certain times, it was, it was a free-for-all. And you can still do that a little bit in Scotland uh, if you find the right ones, and I'm not going to mention those. But, but you can, and you know. But even like our, our deal with Glenn Farkless now is very, you know. We're but we've worked together for a long time, so we kind of we work together towards a common goal and just get that done. But I think the the days of just running wild through a rickhouse, right, right, they're they're pretty much gone. You know? hear a lot of how smaller guys, you know, like yourself, like you're a, a place. Your establishment here in Chicago. Six one two ten. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> but uh, that bar, not, excuse me, distilleries have kind of lost that hospitality manner. With certain places have been picking for them for you know for a decade. Yeah, yeah, I, you do see some of that, okay. but I, I think that I get the reasoning behind it. I mean. You have to take care of everybody. So you have a small group like us, yeah. and then you have other, you know, like even single locations and that have a ton of cachet. So then they're going after these picks. Then you're trying to take care of us going after these picks. And then you have all the off-premise, you know, monsters, these behemoths, right. um, you know, that would pick you know, 100 barrels just just like that from one distillery. And because they'll, they'll sell through it. Yeah. So, how do you please everybody? And you do that through a certain means of control, and they they just have to play that way. I get it. There's there's no way around it. Yeah. And right. but they're but they get to know what you do, and like we've been doing Weller Antique for years, and they're sending up some good stuff. Oh yeah. So we're hey we're we're down with that. And it's just fine with us. If we can't go play around in the rickhouse, okay. <laughs> you know, just send it up to us. I get it. Okay, what are you going to do? Have, you know, 500 different uh, retailers from across the country trying to converge on, you know, Louisville? I mean, it's it's kind of crazy. I'm sure because almost every, every other day they're having somebody else come in and say, hey, we want this, we want that, but... You have to limit it somewhere. I just hope it's it's not lost upon the smaller guys who helped uh, really spread the word of the great juice coming out of these distilleries and not just selling it off to the box chain places. I think that you'll see the distilleries know who their advocates are, and the challenges that we face are mainly through the three-tier system, quite yeah. frankly. Oh, and, and that's what kills me, because they don't care at all. You know, and... Not, not, not all of them, some of them. And and when that happens, that, that just creates a barrier to, I think, a barrier to entry for everyone trying to find uh, great products through their independent retailers that have a passion that want to give people those products. Because what they do is put allocations based on, 
you know, how much vodka you buy from this other distillery for they want to push, which is huge case volumes that they want to buy that brand. And that drives me nuts. And, 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 I, and I'm, you know, we've had to participate a little bit in that. Absolutely. We make sure that it's still a good product, but I'm getting away from it. And I know that some other people are too. And that means some popular brands we might not get allocations of anymore, but now there are so many. I mean, we're, we're global in nature. So we're still going to give people the best. And it's, it's nothing about like our feel for it, but if you start really hammering us on trying to carry things that we don't want, and, and quite frankly, our clientele doesn't want, we had a buyer that was called an idiot once for not carrying a certain vodka in a location that was obviously not vodka-centric. And a rep actually said that. And then threatens the allocation on something else. I'm over I'm over that shit, let me tell you. And I hope that now, hey, let's take silver linings out of all of this and spread the word. And maybe maybe the distilleries can apply some more pressure on, you know, their distribu- uh, distribution partners to stop the practice because it's it's sickening and it's not getting so that you have like chain pizza account that has allocations of you know one of the whiskeys that starts with pa that nobody else can get you know because they sell a ton of vodka and flavored bullshit yeah. come on man i'm well, done with that and i hear a lot of independent I mean, and, and i think i think the distillery doesn't really want that either at the end of the day they know that their whiskey advocates are you know they're, they're their people I mean, you grow your brand for the people that will support you because of the juice you create, not because of the other secondary circumstances that surround your brand. Right, exactly. And as a brand ambassador, I see it every day when you talk to small retailers. They're like, hey, I would love to bring in a barrel of your whiskey, but I have to do this barrel to get to that allocation that I want to have for my customers at the end of the day that are dedicated customers too. So you're serving two different bases at the same time when you can't even serve the customer. But consequently can't serve the customers that you or the brands that you want to serve and help them out too and smaller brands might suffer but i think along the way there's so many great brands across the world as we've seen obviously distilleries increase to almost 3,000 distilleries just here in the u.s alone Mm -hmm. and growing on a country-to-country basis more juice will come out where marty duffy is now staring me in the eye like like a little girl he's he used to be intimidating he used to be until until he gave away masks that are exactly like his, and we all look alike now. It's true. So, yeah. But we can all recognize each other under, without the masks, you know, or yeah. with the masks, I guess, exactly. without seeing each other's faces. You so. ruined my train of thought, Marty. Oh. Uh, why don't you get back on the topic? <laughs> so, of Glen Karen glasses, they're great. So, well, you know, it usually is. But, <laughs> anyhow, go yeah, ahead. No, it, no, it's just, uh, it's unfortunate to see the... Distilleries be taken over by corporation in a way, and it's a conversation I have with friends a lot where you lose the charm of what you do for a living because it's so based around business now versus what you got into it for. Yeah, and you know, and some of it's good, some and yeah. some of it isn't. You know, with that becomes innovation, and but sometimes it becomes a numbers game, and but that that'll play out, you know, at the end. But I I agree with you. It's you know, to a great degree. It's just not that, hey, because you're big doesn't mean you're bad. There are some corporations that I think that run excellent programs 
and there are you know some that could use a little work that are still privately owned so it's it's just put make sure that their dis- distribution network is c- following finding a you balance. Know, their their fans yes right a balance so, and, in yeah, the two systems yeah i think so but anyways well hey this has been awesome balance. well I, I would like to ask you one question of you know what should people take away about fountainhead what should they celebrate about it Definitely the people. I mean, the look, the real estate, this this not come and go. You could redo this place, you know, great. But the people that have come through here, that's that's the win at Fountainhead, the fruit that it bore uh, throughout the years uh, with the Northman, Northman Cider Company about to be launched. Like, none of this is possible without Fountainhead. Uh, the relationship with uh, the staff, that have gone back and forth between other places, and it's and have moved on to greater and bigger things, and they're happy and married, and people have met here, and they have kids, they bring their kids in, you know, and now, you know, you see them, they're a little bit older, like this is this is crazy. So, yeah, it's it's always people, you know, real, who cares about real estate, you know, God, you could build it, yeah, you know, but. You can't create people. Not not yet. Not yet. Yeah. Not until we... We'll get there. Figure it out one day. (laughs) The AI. As we become one. Isn't that a good time to kill that before I go uh, off on that tangent? Might as well. Might as well. (laughs) But I think that uh, through those people, Fountainhead lives on with that. Because people have that experience and can always talk about it. And I know there's... There's plans for something different to happen, obviously, but... Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we, we're we working on it. We've got thousands of whiskeys, you know, outside of other spirits and barrel-aged beers that... Well, not barrel-aged beers, but cellared beers that are barrel-aged as well, mostly. But in any case, yeah, we're looking towards that, and can't say much more about it, but, yeah, yeah let's let's get these whiskeys back up on shelves. I agree 100%. Cool. I First, thank you for letting us be customers and bringing our brands into here. I speak for Wilson and Callum who do the podcast with me, who have their brands here and also drink a lot here too. Um, but we appreciate first of being customers and also being dedicated to the brands that we bring in here. And then also for letting us, allowing us to record our podcast here, which means everything because people reach out like, you guys going to record in like a famous whiskey bar? I'm like, Yeah. We do. We do. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's been really fun. I've been, you know, as you know, I've walked in here so many yeah, times. Yeah, you yeah. guys are doing your podcast, and I just kind of walk around. <laughs> yeah, we finally brought you. I do. I do. This guy looks. She's just I, having a steagle. We'll point. Just like I just, just give me one of those. I appreciate uh, it. Like keep me away from these guys. But uh, no. But you know, I've always appreciated it, yeah, and yeah. Uh, and it's and it's great for you know everything here and I've pre- yeah. so well, I'll let you get back to the stuff. people and yeah. uh, let, them, let them host the people I need to say hi to a couple of people yeah. absolutely thanks Cheers. Jake Aaron Bob thank you thank you so much thanks everybody brother. out there um, once Fountainhead's back come come see it well and Fountainhead Market's still open yes, so yes. little jab yep yeah. do anything you can to support yeah. anybody local thanks guys thank Cheers. You. Cheers. Cheers